Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Helix mattresses have been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Everybody is unique and everyone sleeps differently. That's why Helix has several different mattress models to choose from, each designed for specific sleep positions and feel preferences. So how will you know which Helix mattress works best for you and your body? You can take the Helix sleep quiz and find your perfect mattress in under two minutes. And your personalized mattress is shipped straight to your door free of charge. Helix knows there's no better way to test out a new mattress than by sleeping on it in your own home. That's why they offer a 100-night trial and a 10-15 to year warranty to try out your new Helix mattress. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com slash drink. That's helixsleep.com slash drink. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. With Helix, better sleep starts now. How you feeling? Um, I'm feeling a little under the weather. We had a really long weekend. A really long, wild weekend. We were in Nashville. We were, and we were there for only 72 hours, and I feel like we did 100 hours worth of stuff. And M's not even team wine, and it's still... I'm the one that came back, like, basically a fucking mess. Listen, my tolerance is real good. (laughs) I don't know. Okay, here's the thing. First of all, we had a fucking blast. Oh, it was so fun. It was so much fun. I did my first live show and I made it out alive. I also did my first live show. Oh, yeah. Christine did, too. Yeah, I was there. And everyone was so nice and so supportive and laughed really hard, even when I don't think I was funny. I know. So thank you so much. There were some people who were laughing at parts that I I don't even remember. I really did black out a few times. We we went afterward. We looked at each other like, how did we do that? Did we do it yet? Is it over? Did it even begin? What happened? And so everyone was so nice. There were so many people who wanted to take pictures with us. People gave us presents. People had us signing very weird yeah, things. We signed, um, we signed a onesie. We signed wine glasses. Yeah. We signed a whole lot of stuff. What a time to be alive. And we made so many friends. Oh, we made so many friends. We had a meetup where we expected like maybe 10 people to show up. And I think over 200 people came. We did a dumb, dumb thing where we got there. Well, first of all, we got there early to our own party like big lamos and our moms weren't even there yet <laughs> and then we stayed till fucking four fifteen in the morning so we literally partied until nine for nine hours which is why this is the voice you hear coming out of my fucking face listen i'm here drinking i'm good to go and it's thursday by the way and this was almost a week ago yeah. and my voice still hasn't recovered we went to uh cook out with some new pals that we yeah. made shout out to basically there was literally over 100 people there and yeah. by two in the morning, it had dwindled down to us and then four other people. I don't know when my mom left, but suddenly she was gone. Oh, Renata came to, over to me and said, can you make sure Christine gets home alive? And I was like, I don't know about alive, <laughs> but I'll get her home. <laughs> so embarrassing. And uh, <laughs> I'm too old for that. God. And uh, 
So also Renata and Linda met. Oh, it was magical. Uh, everyone applauded. It was great. Also, someone I- had a T-shirt with Renata and Linda's names on on the shirt. And she got our mom's got a picture with that girl and it, in the on shirt the back. It said hashtag mom goals. And the next time my mom took me aside and was like, what is a mom goals? And I was <laughs> like, all right. Well. And uh, so anyway, by two in the morning, we were still apparently raging. So shout out to it was Ashley and Hunter. Mm hmm and darian and cecil and they were i was gonna say they were all a couple they were not they were not all um, they were we were all a couple together they, we were all we were we were three couples yes. making six people yes and they we ate hush puppies together well christine got fucking toasted well i don't re- and I, christine was like i need to eat food right now and so we walked over to cookout ah, Jesus. which by the way was something for me because i I haven't had cookout since college. Although during the meetup, someone, someone's wife ran to cookout to get you a milkshake. That's I, true. I had posted a photo. Two different people got me milkshakes That's at the amazing. meetup. And then they got taken away from me at the bar. Why? Because it's apparently a health code violation to bring Here, food here's out. Here's the thing. I loved the bar. It was great. But also, I almost got the bartender fired. Uh, you almost got us kicked out, Christine. I thought I did get us kicked out. Here's the thing. I climbed behind the bar and I was like, look at me go. And I was like, Em, take a photo. And then I just remember this scary man yelling at our friend Glenn, who was the bartender. And poor Glenn was having a good time, but was like so overwhelmed because there were so many of y'all there. And I kept apologizing and he's like, stop apologizing. And I was like, did I get you fired? Like I went into this dramatic drunk girl oh, move. Oh no, you... You were... What did I do? I, don't tell me. I don't want to know. I'm really embarrassed. It's... Let's just say, like, I tried telling you to calm the fuck down and you refused to. And at one point, I'm trying to have a conversation with you, like, to explain what's happening. Fuck. And you... First of all, we're not processing it. And I'm second sorry, of all, Dad. I'm sorry. You kept saying, like, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. And as you were saying, I'm fine, one of your eyes were closed the entire time. That's what I do. <laughs> That's what I do. And I'm not fully conscious. I know. <laughs> Everyone was asking me, like, does she get this drunk during the show? And no. I was like, I've never seen Christine no. this drunk and in my entire the life. The next day, I it's very rare. And the thing was that we had our live show, and I was so anxious that afterward we went back to the hotel to like nap. And I was like, I need room service, so I ordered a fucking Cosmopolitan, but it was like for two people. And I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm sure it won't be that much. So they delivered like this giant glass of vodka. <laughs> And M fell asleep. So I was just sitting there watching Bob's Burgers and drinking vodka. And then we had our meetup. And then I, well, no, no. So Christine is plunging Cosmos while I'm sleeping. And I wake up to her drunk ass <laughs> playing the song Good Morning Starshine. And she's dancing around the bed to wake me up for our live, sh- for our meetup. I had like one hair extension in and I was just screaming. And then I asked how long I'd been asleep. And she was, her exact sentence was, look, this is what happens when you go to bed and leave me alone to drink all of the wine. Yeah. I mean, what did you expect? I made my mom walk over to our hotel room and bring me a bottle of wine while you were sleeping. Like, yeah. I'm a real psychopath. Anyway. Uh, so anyway. And then we also made, we did the exact opposite of what someone with a true crime podcast oh, should do. No, they're going to be so ashamed of us. We had, so. Don't tell Eva. She's going to. Darian and Cecil peaced out, and then it was just us with Ashley and Hunter, and they drove us home, and we met them that night. They were like, do you want to get in our car? And we we'll were like, take yes. You, do you want to take a lift, or do you want us to just drive you back to the hotel? And, and we were like, like we'll get in your car. Let's go in their car. 
And then, of course, as we got in their car, it was like the foggiest night on earth and, and they got lost lost and, and they were like i don't really know where we are and we i was took like a wrong turn off the highway i was like we're gonna get fucking murdered and em and i were not discreet we just kept talking loudly like they're gonna kill us this is how we die they're Isn't, gonna kill us this is what our podcast is about we're gonna die now and they were like okay we're literally trying to get to the hotel yes and they thankfully they were not murderers they got us to the hotel i'm sorry in advance dad my dad is really dying right now. He oh, my mom's pissed. I'm getting texts right now from my mother being like, what the fuck Listen, is wrong with you? Linda had a great time, so I don't know. Oh, yeah. Linda had a great time. Linda and Renata were... Oh, my mom was walking around with the fake Geo for a while, and she's like, everyone in the hotel, she just kept hearing, it's Geo, it's Geo from like different parts of the hotel. <laughs> and she was just like, I didn't know what to do. I just kept walking and looked down and kept walking because oh. people kept chatting it was very up. weird this was the first time we ever felt relatively famous because people would just jump out in the middle of the hotel and be like i love you we made so many friends it was very weird and we saw we met wine and crime for the first time we met wine and crime and i got to fly home with one third of wine and crime yes amanda sat on a plane right next to me for two hours what on the way the to odds? denver and we had quite a powwow. We really actually got to learn a lot about each other. We talked about very personal things. God, they're such gems. I learned that Amanda is not entirely the same person on the show as she is in real life. What does that mean? No, like, it, like I like getting to know like her like when she's not on. Oh, got you know it, got I mean? it, got it, got it. But I liked it. It's, I mean, she's, she's still the same so person. Great. She's still funny. They're so funny. And they wore Deerndrolls to CrimeCon. And now I'm buying a Deerndroll from the website that got them their Deerndrolls. Also, um, this isn't funny, but it's important. And like, we'll never have this experience again. While we were there, who shows up at our booth to talk to us? But the youngest <gasps> victim of Euron's. Eva's face. She was the 13-year-old. I forgot about this. She showed up and told us the entire story. Well, she showed up before we even knew who she was. And she Yeah, goes, she just announced it herself. She goes, oh, yeah. Um, she's like, wow, this is such a cool idea. Like, your podcast and stuff. We were talking to her. And all of a sudden, she goes, yeah. She said a couple times, like, yeah, we caught Golden State Killer last week. And I was like, I don't know how to ask, like, what do you mean we caught him? Yeah, because we're also at a convention filled with, like, cops. And yeah. so I thought yeah. that maybe she was on the like case. An investigator. So I think at one point you said, like, oh, how are you involved were in the case? Involved? And she was like, fuck, yeah, She's I like, was. like, oh, I'm number, or number 10, I think. I'm number 10. And I was like, number 10? Number 10. Oh, my God. And, and she was like, like yeah, I was 13 me. at the time. And then she told her entire story. And she actually, she seemed fine, like, explaining it and talking about it. And I mean, she even said, like, I mean, she she said it in her own words, like, I'm so lucky how well adjusted I am because I was so young and I was able to process it differently from people who are older or people or like in relationships, like and they couldn't yeah. be with their husbands anymore. Yeah. And she's like, it never affected my sex life. It never affected what I consider to be my virginity. Like it, it just like the way she talks about it so openly and her, she was with her husband. She's like, I'm so like happy. And this has changed the lives of me and so many other people that were affected. And then she talks about how when she was attacked, she had already heard about the mm -hmm. attacks and so she knew what was going on and she knew who he was but at the time he hadn't killed anyone yet and she's like it probably would have been completely different if i knew he, that he would go on to murder people right and so it was just fascinating to hear her take on it yeah and she I'm said like that one of, <laughs> one of the big things that saved her is because she was a teenager and in that kind of like fuck you world mentality because she had the invincible yeah she felt invincible and so she stood up to him was yelling back at she him was like and, ballsy about it yeah yeah she one of the things that she had read in clippings at up until then was that he like fed off of fear yeah and so she a 13 year old who feels invincible that nothing can possibly happen to her as it's literally happening to her yeah she was like fuck you i don't care and apparently it made him leave sooner it's just so incredible because a lot of people ask i mean a lot of people as in like 
my parents or whoever are like, why do you talk about this horrible stuff? And it's like so incredible to see somebody like that who's been through the worst of the worst and then can like come to something like CrimeCon and be like, this is amazing that you're talking yeah. about it. And that like this is so freeing for people who've gone through it. And it was just such a powerful thing to hear somebody say, I want to listen to you guys talk about the man who fucking raped me and put yeah. me through hell. It's just crazy. It's crazy. But at yeah, least get the story out. It's a really wonderful moment. Also, I just wanted to say, I know this is a really long intro, but I feel like since this was our first live show, you guys kind of want to hear about it. So that's why I'm letting it go a little longer than normal. And if you don't, then... Then Eva cut that out. Um, <laughs> but I did also want to say, I like wrote notes because there was so much. And I did a dumb thing. What? I looked down at your paper and saw what your thing is. That's fine. No, I know you're freaked out. I'm freaking I know out. you're freaked out. I knew it. Okay. Well, I'm not done talking about this yet. Okay, go on. This is why it was folded up a very Shit! specific way. It's all bold on the top. Why you bold it? It's Wait, also an eight point font. Bolded. Okay, here's the thing. I got contacts. I can see it now. I did want to talk about how we barely got any sleep, but we also had so much fun. And then um, something you didn't get to experience because you were you had already come home because Christine took a flight before us, and then Alexander and I took our own flight home together. Yeah. So as you guys would remember, if you're at the live show, Allison and her sister were staying at Christine's house while we were all gone in Nashville. And I thought, as you know, because I told you in advance, I was like, I'll see you at the house, but I'm going to go like right stay at Allison's tonight, like because I haven't seen her all weekend. And this is just like a funny little stupid story that happened, but I want you to be involved. I'm in it. so excited. So Zandy and I got home at like 1 a.m. or midnight mm. or something like that and got to your house. And I had to get my car keys from your house because my car was parked in your parking lot or in your driveway <laughs> in my large your yeah. mansion's parking lot. <laughs> And so I went in to get the keys, and then I saw that the air mattress that Allison had been sleeping on was still up, and oh, someone was sleeping in it. No, and... And so I was like, oh, I'm gonna... I didn't know Allison was still sleeping here. I'm just gonna, like, get in bed and, and snuggle her. you big dope. And so, thank God, at the very last fucking second, Alexander put a flashlight on, and I saw who was in the bed, and it was Allison's sister. And you're, like, hovering over her. I literally, like, was, like, one knee already on the mattress about to, like, spoon the shit out of Allison's older sister. Um, and this was the second time I've ever met her, and I would have literally been pulling her into me and been like, I love you. <laughs> you know that she probably would have punched your face. Oh, yeah. It would have been, I would have never been able to live it down. Oh! But then I turned around and Allison was sleeping on the fucking couch. And I was like, I thought your sister was gone. Like, I, anyway, I just wanted that to... Jesus! No one else got to know about that story, so... Oh, except now everyone knows. Except now everyone knows. Okay, so that being said... Wait, I have things to say. Oh, Christine has things to say. Sorry, Take it away. you know I always do. Okay, go. But who's going to say it otherwise? We have a birthday live show coming up, and since Em's not going to talk about it, I am. Excuse me, what was the next thing on my list? What? Oh, I thought you were going to say that being said, you were going to start your story now. No, but you can oh. go. go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I thought you meant you were going to like start your story that I already saw. No. Okay. What I was going to say, sorry. We have go a ahead. Go ahead. birthday live show. Yes. Yes. June 3rd in Irvine, California. Bring us presents because it'll make me feel better about being on stage. <laughs> I mean, if you wanted to, you don't have to. Oh my God. I'm... But just do it. We're going to go be in Irvine. Eva, are you going to be there? Yay. Eva's, Eva's coming. Gonna be there. We're so excited. And fake Gio will probably be there. Yeah. Fake Gio will be there. In his matted glory. We're going to, he's very <laughs> mad at after crime con. We'll get him a little, a little salon time. Mm -hmm. Uh, we're going to be in Irvine June 3rd. It's a huge performance for us. It's our biggest performance yet. It's a big venue. We're trying to sell as many tickets as possible. And we just really want you guys to be there. And it's going to be our birthday weekend. It's M's birthday that yeah. day. And mine's the next night. 
or the next day. So we want you guys to come. So please do if you get the chance or if you're anywhere near Irvine, please come. Also, I just want to add real quick, we're doing uh, something, a fun thing with Nothing Rhymes with Murder. Speaking of Golden State Killer, they're doing a really awesome raffle with a bunch of true crime podcasts that supports End the Backlog to work on getting rape kits processed. And so they're doing this huge raffle with a bunch of other podcasts. And we've donated two $25 gift cards to our shop um, as part of the raffle. So if you guys go check out Nothing Rhymes with Murder, they're doing a really awesome raffle and it supports a really awesome cause and we're really proud to be a part of it uh and also zach baggins unblocked me on twitter (laughs) (gasps) no way that means he's heard about us that's the scary part of that thing i don't know if it was like that he unblocked me before because i don't think i ever checked because i remember when he blocked me and this was like four years ago and then i never checked again and then like yesterday i went and looked and it was like i could see his account again oh no i like to believe that it's all of y'all who have been tweeting at him Oh, my God. But in my mind, now that people keep tweeting at him, he's going to re-block me because he's like, what the fuck? I don't want to be a part of this. It's like, oh, so you got enough notoriety that you could continually batter me after I've blocked you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what the deal is, but I just want to say if you guys did this, thank you. Um, Is that why you drink this week? Yeah. I drink this week because today is Mother's Day. Today's not Mother. Oh, when this comes out. Mm -hmm. Oh, shit. Stop. Don't remind my mom about that. So, happy Mother's Day to Linda and Renata. Uh, I currently drank because today, in advance, I got my mom an edible arrangement (gasps) and had it mailed to the house. And then I just checked my email only, like, 20 minutes ago and saw the bill. And apparently, because there's, like, a surcharge since it's Mother's Day, my $45 edible arrangement cost me $93. (laughs) So, happy Mother's Day, Mom. Love you. Mean it. There better be chocolate on that thing. I hope you eat all of it. Is it the SpongeBob one? They sell a SpongeBob one. No, it's a... I got her a dozen chocolate-covered strawberries and... Oh, but Linda's gonna love that. And a four-pack of chocolate-covered Oreos. Dude, she's gonna love that. She better fucking love it. Also, I drink because Linda invited me to her wedding, you guys. Oh, yeah. So, there's gonna be a lot of weird pictures from that wedding, too. Y'all, Linda was like, what are you doing June 30th? And I was like, it's happening. Two, happening. two opportunities to see us in nice attire, but also looking like fucking wrecks. Hashtag black tux. Anyway, that's why I drink. Okay, I'm good. I'm good. Let's talk. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. 
It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Juni, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues, and Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD to save 20%. Prettylitter.com slash ATWWD code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Okay, so Christine, you've already seen what it's about. <laughs> I only did it because Christine never shuts the fuck up. I'm so excited. Why did you put it on bold on the top of the paper? What did you expect? I put every single, I put a title for every single one. Well, it took till episode 67 for me to figure that out. Do you want to announce it? Do you want to do like a special announcement? Dun dun. Dun dun. Dun dun. Dun dun. Dun dun. Mothman. Mothman prophecies. Do you like my song? Yeah. Yes. That was a no and yes put together. Eva didn't like it either. It's fine. (laughs) Okay. So here we go. This is Mothman. I'm so I'm sorry, I'm so excited. Also, wow. The people who are into Mothman are really fucking into Mothman. It was so hard to get this down to an amount of notes that I usually read. I cannot even imagine. I it was I mean when I started, I do everything on Microsoft Word because I'm fucking eight. But all of my So do I. Oh, okay. High five. I don't know if there's like a new age way that people oh, take notes. I was going to say I'm fucking AD because I oh, do it okay. on Microsoft Word. This started as like a 23 page oh, I believe document it. of notes and I had to dwindle it down to a page and a half. So I'm sure I'm missing something. Yeah, so don't be mad. Don't get mad at us because Eva doesn't want to have to read that email. <laughs> Eva doesn't want to awkwardly not send it to us, but know that it was sent. Yes. So I'm just going to, I just kind of didn't know how to organize this. So we're just going to go with how it happened. Let's go. Okay, bullet one, apparently the most important. Mothman has been haunted. Haunted? Oh my god, what a twist. Now that (laughs) is called Inception. Double entendre. (laughs) Um, So Mothman has been hunted in the show Destination America. Oh, I love that show. Okay, that was apparently the most important thing I had to say in this whole thing. Also, the largest... So I'm talking about the area first. Sure, sure, So this is in Point Place, West Virginia, which... Point Pleasant. Point Pleasant. Yeah, what did I say? Point Place. Fuck me. I love that, though. Point Place. Point Place. Point Point Pleasant, West Virginia. And the largest number of sightings have happened in an area called the TNT area, which is professionally known as West Virginia Ordnance Works. But uh, the area was actually made up of several hundred acres of woods and concrete domes where high explosives used to be made and stored in World War II. Ew. So that's just a giant 
forest like ammunition type with scary. a whole bunch of like concrete domes covered in old ammunition very scary i mean exactly where someone like mothman would be i mean classic mothman okay so now we're in 1966 okay <coughs> my throat is in 1801 <laughs> okay okay I don't and know. it's three years until gap the gap is founded <laughs> okay got it so in 1966 on november 12th there were five men who were in a cemetery preparing a grave for burial. So I'm assuming they're like grave diggers. No, they're preparing it for burial. Grave preparers. They're not. Oh, gra- wait, what did you say? Grave preparers. No, what did you say before that? Grave diggers. Oh, that is correct. I thought you meant grave robbers. Nope. And I'm like. <laughs> they can't rob a grave that is sorry, empty. I was like, M, that doesn't make sense. Jesus Christ. Okay, so. Sorry, grave diggers. Yes, correct. 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 So they saw something lifting off from the nearby trees. It was a brown winged creature, which was not a bird and definitely humanoid. Ugh. It glided over their heads and sounded like a woman screaming. Oh, my. Three days later. So that was its own event. <laughs> the end. The end. <laughs> the end of part one. And intermission. So three days later. Roger and Linda Scarberry were driving in a car with their friends Steve and Mary mm-hmm. um, through the area around midnight. They saw something on the side of the road, and when they pulled over to see what it was, it was two large glowing red eyes on something that looked like a human that was about seven or eight feet tall with wings folded against its back. Jesus. The creature spread its wings and pursued them down Highway 62 to the Point Pleasant city limits. And it was flying at like a hundred miles an hour. It was keeping up with their car, trying to get out as fast as possible. Oh, uh, because no. imagine seeing something that's like an eight-foot human with bat-like wings and laser-red eyes just like take off. That decides to follow you at over a hundred miles an hour. No, thank you. So they apparently beat it out, or it flew away, or something like that. But they didn't see it anymore, so they pulled over, discussed what they saw, and decided it was just a really big bird. Like we're just. <laughs> They were like, okay, I want to sleep tonight. Let's just say it that's was a bird. a coping mechanism if I ever yeah. heard of them. Yeah. That's denial, denial, denial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to prove it was nothing, mm-hmm. this is where you say, oh, no. Oh, no. They drove back towards the TNT what? area. What? It's a bunch of psychos. And true to form, Mothman was waiting for them beside Route 62. Oh, good. They turned on the headlights because it was standing in the middle of the fucking road. <laughs> Like, blocking them from continually driving. They turned the headlights on, and it lifted vertically in the air without moving its wings. Like, just literally just shot straight up. Oh, no. Thank you. And then disappeared. That same night at 1030, a guy named Newell Partridge, who lived 90 miles north of Point Pleasant, he was watching TV, and the screen went dark all by itself. Oh, my. There was a weird pattern that came on the screen, and then he heard a loud sound outside that raised in pitch higher and higher and higher and higher until all of a sudden it just stopped. So it was just just went to like radio silence. Mm-mm. His dog Bandit began to howl out on the front porch. And so he went out to see what was going on. He turned on a flashlight in that direction and saw a human with wings and two red eyes staring at him. Oh. The dog, who was a hunting dog, chased it. And Noel Partridge, the guy, went back into the house for his gun, but he was so scared of what he saw that he stayed inside the house and just slept with his gun next to him. Oh, man. The next morning, he woke up and couldn't find his dog anywhere. (gasps) 
No, ban it. Two days later, he read in the newspaper that there were sightings of a giant humanoid owl with red wing with red eyes and brown wings Mm-mm. that was seen around Point Pleasant. In one of the statements, which happened to be a statement from the Scarberries and their friends in the car. Linda Scarberry. Linda Scarberry. Yep, Classic yep, Linda. Yep, yep. Classic. One statement that they had in the newspaper was that as they entered the city limits, they saw the body of a large dog lying on the side of the road. <gasps> and a few minutes later, when they went back to go see the... Right, uh, to return if, to him. To return to the Mothman, like idiots, the dog was no longer there. <gasps> So either he limped off or got eaten or something. No. So a press conference was held because so many people saw this thing in one night. There was at least four people that saw it that night. That's crazy that it was literally. Had, it, and from so many different areas. Like this guy was 90 minutes away from them. So it was definitely able to fly that far and be seen. And by it wasn't people. like he was on Snapchat and saw and was like, yeah, me too. It was like right. before I mean, people were virally. I mean, Snapchat was super popular in 66. So <laughs> you're right. So I'm very wrong. Okay. Um. So a press conference was held and local press began printing the story and so many people started coming forward with previous sightings. And the headline for the first time that Mothman was ever noticed in a newspaper was couple sees man-sized bird dot 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 creature dot 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 something. What? Ew. What the fuck? That's the title of a headline? It's estimated that in the first year, over 100 sightings (gasps) were reported. Although there are some unidentifiable reports, but it also includes UFO sightings that happen to be very active and heavy during that time. Mm -mm. So Mothman could be an alien. The coloration that has been described is that he's either black, gray, or brown, although it's usually darker shades. And he's often reported to be about seven to eight feet tall with a wingspan of 10 to 15 feet, plus the ability to fly over 100 miles per hour. Sometimes he is described as not having a head. And the two huge red eyes that everyone sees are set in the chest of the body instead. Anyone who gets a close look at the Mothman seems to suffer from extreme fear and psychological distress. I fucking say. Well, yes. People say that a sense of pure evil overcomes them when they look into his eyes and he can fold his leathery wings and walk with a weird shuffle that many witnesses compare to a penguin. Oh, dread and penguins and leathery wings. When he flies, he unfolds his wings and shoots straight up with great speed without actually flapping his wings at all. God damn it. Just levitates at 100 miles an hour. So there's a guy named John Keel who became one of the major reporters of the Mothman case. Hell yeah, John Keel. And from November 1966 to December 1967, he met at least 100 witnesses that all reported their stories. And he compiled evidence uh, from... Mothman sightings to UFO reports to anything that happened before the creature was seen the first time to an influx in all the UFO sightings that happened that year to basic problems throughout the town like televisions and phones not working lights being seen from the skies like flashing lights Mm. in the skies and cars stalling on Route 62 for no reason at all Ah. so he put all that together he also apparently came across some potential poltergeist situations in the area Because there were a lot of houses that year that for some reason locked doors would open and close by themselves. There were strange bumps that were heard inside and outside of homes and a woman's scream. Oh, God. From people's yards. (gasps) From the yards. Uh, One family that he talked to saw a funny red light in the sky that moved and hovered above the TNT plant where the Mothman supposedly lives. Great. 
They went outside for a closer look and suddenly they heard something moving by their car. And then a quote says, it seemed like it had been lying down. It rose up from the ground and it was bigger than a man with terrible red glowing eyes. The family locked everyone inside the house while the creature shuffled onto the porch and peered into the windows while oh, screaming no. the sounds of a woman and then vanished. They said that they heard his wings flapping, although they didn't see them flap. So you just you could hear Ew, flapping that wasn't happening. He wasn't actually. What the hell? That's one of the people that he talked to. There was another reporter. This is. Hang on. I have an itch. Okay. I actually had, was itching the same spot. Oh, yeah? Yeah. That's fun. Oh, we're twins. So, um, let's talk about the men in black. Can we? Because this is the best part. Okay. Let me refill my glass. This is the best fucking creepiest part. Oh, so you know about this. I listened to the Astonishing Legends uh, series on this. It is bonkers. How am I doing so far? Real good. And also, <clears throat> I just don't even... I have a really bad memory, so this is all very exciting anyway. Well, this is me trying to get through this as efficiently no, as possible it's good it's good it's good so besides john keel uh there's another reporter named mary Heyer, and she was working late in her office um and a man walked into the door this is also in point pleasant okay and she was collecting a lot of ufo sightings a lot of ufo reports a lot of mothman reports just everything anyway a man comes into her office at the end of a day mm-hmm. and Mary reported that he was very short, had strange eyes, thick glasses, long black hair that was squarely cut like a bowl haircut. That's not good. And he spoke in a low voice asking for directions to Welsh, West Virginia. Do not let him inside. He had some sort of speech impediment, apparently. Okay. And he terrified her. Apparently, just his presence alone made her feel (sighs) like she was going to die. Oh, my God. Her quote is, he kept getting closer and closer to me, and his funny eyes were staring at me almost hypnotically. She got the manager to come over and talk to him. And at that point, the little man, because he's super short, the little man picked up a pen from her desk, and he looked at it in amazement as if he had never seen a pen before. Stop it. He grabbed it, laughed out loud, and then ran out of the building. I'm literally freaking out right now. I don't like this at all. He ran out of the building? Just scurried off Did with the pen. Did he take the pen? Yeah. Oh my god, what a psycho! I like how that's the part that makes but a psycho. You think? It's like that shitty like office mate you have that just takes all your pens <laughs> yeah, and but... laughs loudly as he does it. But do you <laughs> think, here's my theory, he and his little like alien people or whatever watched a tv show yeah and they were like what is that thing and then when he was in our office he's like oh my god it's that thing we laughed about yeah yeah yeah. i found the thing i'm gonna go show everyone we're gonna go show the guys the uk version of the office and they had this (laughs) thing and i was like what is that and they were like we don't know and then i was in this lady's office and i saw one and i just like couldn't help myself i had to show my (laughs) friends i feel like that's what happened okay good i'm glad that's so the uk office alien yeah i think that's probably what it is i don't even write that down i don't think there's any other explanation no of course not he's british and an alien yeah yeah should we email them yeah okay him i don't know who yeah we'll let michael scott know okay good so wrong yep sure whatever his name is scott mcfron no wrong one oh my god who's the other one he looks like scott mcfron (laughs) who's the uk office guy his name starts with a d no g gerald that's wrong gervais ricky gervais okay remember when i said scott mcfarland was the uk office yeah and then you told me i was wrong eva don't let anyone hear that it's really embarrassing anyone from england we're sorry it's too late you can let him hear it but 
But know that I was talking about. Anyway, the alien that was pretending he was a human who starred on the UK office. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, the title of this new episode, apparently. Um, I'm he sorry. laughed loudly and ran out of the building with pen in hand. What a jerk. Weeks later, Mary was crossing the street and saw the same man on the street. <gasps> when what a he, nightmare. When he realized she recognized him, he quickly turned around and ran back to the corner of the street where a black car suddenly came around the corner and let him in. He dove into the car and it drove off. What the fuck? Um, a week later, in December 1967, the bridge linking Point Pleasant to Ohio suddenly collapsed while filled with rush hour traffic and 46 people died. And two of the bodies were never found. Really sad. That same night of the bridge collision, or collapse, the bridge collapse, um, the Lilly family saw 12 eerie lights flashing above their home and traveling between the house and the TNT area, like floating back and forth <clears throat> at the same time that this crash happened. Shit. They moved. <laughs> they were like, I don't fucking care. I've heard enough. I'm out. Which is exactly what you and I are going to do the second A there's trouble. Plus. So we are the Lily family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So a week later, during Christmas week. Oh, I'm sorry. That was actually this. Okay, I fucked up. The bridge collision happened the same day that she saw the guy, saw him dive into the car and drive away. Oh, and so then that, that night, day. that night was the bridge. Yeah. And the Lily, the Lily family saw lights and moved. Because it was the day that a lot of people were doing like Christmas shopping, right? Yeah. It was, it was around Christmas. Time it was after December work. 15th. It was right before oh, Christmas. And it was like rush hour. Yeah. Oh, God. So then during Christmas week, after all this has happened. Right. Mary hires like, well, that was fucking weird. How many people died? 46 jesus that's a lot and also like without a, like there wasn't even preparation like the bridge just fell and the bridge only fell because one single link wasn't screwed in right or something like that uh, so because of one thing it just snapped and everyone just fell in okay this is literally nightmarish that's yeah nightmarish. just being on a bridge and just falling that's nightmare so if you're currently listening to this Don't. and you're on a bridge Get i'm off. sorry and hold your breath and cross your fingers <laughs> and pray You'll be fine. Stop it. Don't let him stress you out. So the next week during Christmas week, Mary Heyer is trying to forget this fucking ugly past yeah, of a week. I don't blame her. Then a short, dark skinned man enters the office that she is sitting in. Okay. He is dressed in a black suit with a black tie. He has high cheekbones, narrow eyes, an unidentifiable accent and very long fingers. Okay. I don't actually really enjoy that at all i actually really anti-enjoy that he wanted to know about local ufo sightings jesus and mary was working and too busy to talk so she handed him a file of related ufo clippings that have happened in the last week she did that she wasn't like please leave my she office? was like here just take this i gotta i'm busy i'm sorry Ugh. he said that was not good enough and insisted on speaking with her and demanded that she leave her work and take him to the site locations fingers what a creepo that's what you're working the whole time i'd be like do you not know how work works like i can't leave well also that but i'm picturing him being like yeah, yeah take yeah. me to the place <laughs> she literally just said i'm busy i can't yeah, sorry good for you mary and then left and that <laughs> same night or had him leave the building, yeah, him leave the, yeah, building. Yeah. the same night and i identically described man no visited the homes of several witnesses in town who had reported seeing lights in the sky that year no 
He made every single one of them feel uneasy and uncomfortable, and they called the police. And he claimed to be a reporter from Cambridge, Ohio. But then when someone brought up Columbus, Ohio, which was right down the road, he admitted he did not know where that was. Columbus, the capital of the state. Yes. Sure. Okay. Listen, that is terrifying. Don't open your door. If someone rings your doorbell, don't answer it. Well, a bunch of people tried calling the cops and the cops were on like a wild manhunt looking for this guy and no one could find him. Don't answer the door. Nothing good happens. So anyway, no one knows if he's related or not, but at the same time, like people kept seeing this guy That's during the year that all these weird sightings were happening and they don't know if like he's because there's a big theory that the mothman is a shapeshifter so they think that this guy might have been mothman stop it yeah and sometimes he's just like i want to put eyeballs on my body yeah and long fingers on my hands and wear big wings so post-1967 there are still reports of mothman seen around the world but far less like the most concentrated time was between november 66 and december 67 mm-hmm but a lot of people have tried to make guesses of what Mothman actually is, like if you're going by logic standards. Sure. A lot of people have said it as either a heron. Heron? Heron? A heron. Heron. Like the bird? Yeah. Yeah. Is either a heron, a pelican, a pterodactyl, which based on logic, I think is still Listen, not fucking accurate. If it were a pterodactyl, that'd be its own fucking amazing story. <laughs> It'd be Jurassic Park in real life. I think that'd be even wackier than a fucking mothman. It would be. Oh, and also logic says it's probably a winged human, which it's fucking not. Logically. Sure. A sandhill crane that migrated south from Canada With on its own. Red eyeballs that could also talk and eat dogs. A okay. shape-shifting owl. Sorry. This sounds like an episode of So Weird from Disney. Literally, what is happening? The area lies outside the snowy owl's usual range, so they decided that it's not an owl, although an owl makes the most sense when you think about eye shine, because sure. people say that with the headlights and the flashlight, the reflection of the eyes only made sense with a barred owl, because different owls have different levels of reflection in their eyes, and a barred owl has the one that looks like laser glowing uh... red eyes. So they're like, okay, maybe it's a barred owl because those are also pretty big. Right. But they don't actually fly in that area. Okay. So they said that it might, based on the eye shine, it's that owl. But based on the area, it's not that owl. But then based on the area, it could be a million other things, but nothing has that reflective of an eye shine. Okay. So they don't know what it is. A popular theory is that Mothman is actually just a local man dressed in a Halloween costume that jumps out of people's cars. Um, well, that's, that's the conservative opinion. He can also fly 100 miles per hour straight into the air. Yeah, he also has laser eyes in his shoulders. Yes, he also collapses bridges for fun. Yes. Good. He also is a little man with long fingers that knocks <laughs> on your door. <laughs> Jesus. So uh, there's also in Point Pleasant, there is an annual Mothman Festival. Yep. And it is a weekend long event held on the third weekend of every September. So we should go this year. Obviously. And they have guest speakers, vendor exhibits, Hayride tours focusing on notable site areas, Ooh. a museum that is always there, but you can also go at the time. And my favorite part, a Mothman pancake eating contest. Hold on. Sign me up. Let's go. So here's some other stuff about the Mothman that it's either, I don't know if it's important, but I decided it is. The Mothman, because um, people were like for forever have been trying to figure out what it could possibly be. And... The Mothman has been associated with Thunderbirds, mm-hmm. which are gray, have gray bodies and red heads and were sighted in the same area at the same time and apparently are important to like the native tribes that used to live there. Oh, interesting. Um, it looks like a totem pole bird. Yeah, I know exactly the bird. Yeah. And it's also associated with the Owl Man, not just the Mothman. 
because by the way every i was like why the fuck is that called a mothman and apparently it's just because it's kind of brown and no one's ever like, seen it but i feel like it's because the eyes are on the body like that makes sense too they, like for predators they have that that's circles. true i don't know that makes most sense. but every, every single thing was like it's basically looks most like a human-sized owl i mean like it's fine that i'm smarter than most people but that's great it's okay you can just take it for what it is well it's also not just associated with thunderbirds it's also associated with the owl man which is an identical creature that was sighted in cornwall england in 1976 what? So, like, exactly 10 years later, this thing was being seen in Cornwall, England, and was called the Owl Man. Well, I feel bad for the Owl Which Man, is more accurate. Who's getting less attention. Yeah, that's for sure. He's like, God, I came too late on the scene. <laughs> the Mothman could also be dated all the way back to the Shawnee tribe. Oh, sh- that's Ohio. Yes. I lived on Shawnee Road. Oh. Shawnee Run. Well, now everyone knows where you live. Uh, I lied. I lived right off of Shawnee Run. Cherokee Run. Got it. Shawnee Run. So it could be dated all the way back to the Shawnee tribe because folklore um, has a character named Misignawa, which is a spirit that protects animals from hunters. Oh. So they think that it could be um, like a newfound reincarnation of the Misignawa or it could because it um, is big enough that it, it resembles its size, but actually has the description of Bigfoot. So oh. they don't know if. Bigfoot is Missignua or the Mothman is. But one of them supposedly has something to do with the Shawnee has... folklore. Wow, that's interesting. It could also be Waupi, which is another story from the Shawnee tribe where a guy named Waupi wanted to be with his family, but the only way to be with his family is they had to turn into white hawks. And so they turned into white hawks and continued their life in the forest. So it could be either of those based on Shawnee folklore. Interesting, because that's the same area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some believe that the Mothman might actually be an angel, a demon, or a product of a blood curse placed on the town. Okay. Because in the 1770s, the Shawnee tribe, which was the most powerful tribe at the time in the area, were led by a chief named Cornstalk. He was actually named something else, but the English translation is Cornstalk. Sure. He didn't, like, just choose that. They were like, that's what we think you're called. Yes. Cornstalk. Sure. So Cornstalk opposed war and he told the colonists that were coming in that he didn't want to fight anyone. And if there was a war, he wanted to not be a part of it. He said he didn't want anything to do with war. Yeah. So the Indians attacked. um, Oh, okay. So as soon as they found out that he wasn't a threat, but they might be able to use him, the colonists decided that they were going to kidnap Cornstalk. I fucking because white people are horrible. Hate white people are fucking horrible. That I fucking hate that. So. They used him, mm-hmm. took him in as a hostage. Sure, they did. To piss off the Indians so that the Indians would have to fight. What is... Okay. I know. Just keep going. I hate us, too. It's not my, not my I place. I hate that I'm kind of related to these people. Not my place. I'm 100% and it makes me want to die. Okay, go on. Let me pour some mm-hmm. wine, please. Thank you. I'm almost done. No, take your time. So the Indians attacked to rescue Cornstalk as prepared and mm-hmm. as expected. Mm-hmm. And so the colonists, as punishment for the Indians attacking them, so they set them up They're to like, attack him. We want him, you to do this, and now we're gonna and now we're gonna punish mm-hmm. you for exactly what we expect you to do. So the colonists decided to execute him, his friend, and his son as revenge, as revenge for them attacking him. So they like basically baited them into it. They they then, baited them into killing themselves, and then punished. Right. Yeah, they're like, well, not our fault. Yep. 
Our guilt is alleviated. So they chopped his son's head off in front of him and then shot him eight times until he fell to the floor. I don't, I don't like that. As he was dying, Cornstalk's last words were, I came to the fort as your friend and you murdered me. You have murdered by my side my young son. For this, may the curse of the great spirit rest upon this land. May it be blighted by nature. May it be blighted in its hopes. May the strength of its peoples be paralyzed by the stain of our blood. So. Wow. They think that there is a curse on the land yeah. that is now Point Pleasant. And it was actually Point Pleasant then, too. If anything, like, that. I mean, that's it. Makes the most sense. You put a fucking curse after you murder your son. Well, so they think that the curse is actually pretty legitimate because not only was, like, that bridge, like, the only disaster that happened in the area. These are some of the other things that have happened nearby in West Virginia since that curse. This is just since 1907, too. There's other things before this. I'm just going to go through the 1900s. Okay. In 1907, the worst coal mine disaster in American history... Oh, my God. ...happened in Monongah. I'm going to fuck it up. Near Point Pleasant, West Virginia. Point Place. In 1907, the worst coal mine disaster happened in American history, and it was near Point Pleasant, West Virginia... And 360 miners were killed. Oh, my God. Um, in 1930, there was a fire in the Ohio State Penitentiary that was less than 80 miles away from where Cornstalk was killed. And prisoners burned to death <gasps> in their cells because the guards could not get them out. Fuck. So 320 inmates died <gasps> in the cells. The whole thing was just on fire and they couldn't do anything. They were just Holy locked in there. Holy fuck. In 1944, 150 people were killed when a tornado came through the area. In 1967 was the Silver Bridge disaster where 46 Jesus. people died on the bridge. Um, and a year later in 1968, there was a Piedmont Airlines plane that oh, crashed yeah. in the area, killing 35 people on board. Oh, my God. In 1970, there was a Southern Airways plane that crashed into a mountain nearby that killed 75 on board. In 1976, there was an explosion at the Mason County Jail because a woman killed her baby. And so she was in jail for murder. And then her husband snuck into the jail with a suitcase full of explosives <gasps> and killed both of them, including officers that were in the jail with them. Holy shit. In 1978, two years later, a freight train derailed at Point Pleasant oh, and no. dumped thousands of gallons of toxic chemicals into the pond and contaminated all of their water supply. And all the wells to this day are still abandoned because of that. Oh, my God. Also in 1978, the town of St. Mary's, which was, I, I don't know, I think it, was, it wasn't too far away. 51 men who were working on a power plant were killed when the construction scaffolding collapsed. 51 men? Yeah. Jesus. So all of that happened in just the 1900s in Point Pleasant, in West like Virginia. In like a small town in West Virginia. It's <laughs> yeah. not like in New York City. A lot of people exactly. It's like So, um, and there have also been many other strange occurrences, including fires and floods. And they say that the Mothman, whether or, what, whether or not we've noticed, has actually shown up at each of these. But the thought is that it might actually be an angel, not a demon, mm -hmm. because he actually shows up beforehand to warn you to like get the fuck out. So if the the other thought is if the disaster is important enough and it's away from Point Pleasant, he'll still show up to warn you. So one example is he apparently showed up in Chernobyl a couple <gasps> days before Chernobyl. So what? residents of a town nearby swear that they and several of them swear that they saw a bird like man with glowing red eyes 
several days prior to the explosion and also flying over not just the town but the plant itself <gasps> as if like trying to summon people away from it like chasing them to scare them away from the town so like it's like it's scary that that's he's chasing my, you but he's trying to save you that's my favorite theory um also 9-11 apparently <gasps> five days before the towers got hit several witnesses report seeing a large crane light figure crane like figure near the towers and flying over people what the fuck also apparently in a lot of the pictures and the smoke and debris you can see a, an image of mothman like something just kind of i don't know if that's a photoshop thing and i don't want to like i don't know i feel like but a that's lot a of theory. people will be like that's photoshop but whatever that's just a theory i-35 west bridge collapse in 2007 <gasps> apparently the bridge in minneapolis gave way at its center and 13 people died and nearly 145 were injured holy shit and a mothman like figure started appearing near the bridge a month <gasps> prior and pe- so many fuck? people noticed it like there's reports of like this thing that looks like mothman floating around this bridge for a whole month especially in more modern day people are like tweeting about that yeah 2007 yeah so also in 2009 in mexico residents of the town chihuahua People began noticing a strange Mothman-like creature floating around them, and he was very tall, hairy, two expansive wings, and wide red eyes that glowed at you, and you could feel evil if you were near it, so to run away from it. Sure. Many people were chased away by this being, and a week later began the rise of the swine flu. <gasps> so it was like trying to chase people out of like the ma- like one of the main places that started. So this theory was also like heightened by a book in 1975 called The Mothman Prophecies by John Keel, who was the reporter who was collecting a lot of the UFO sightings. And he said that the supernatural was at work with catastrophe and insinuated that maybe if you look around and see something Mothman like to just stay away from that area because disaster is on its way. And so it like warns you of impending doom. Oh my God. So it's like good and evil at the same time because it's warning you, but also like it's going to happen. It's evil to try to get rid of you. And then apparently there's a big theory that the number 13 is also involved with really? the Mothman because most of the sightings from November 66 to December 67 was 13 month span. The Silver Bridge the one link that was broken and caused the whole no. bridge to collapse was the 13th steel pin eye bar. Point Pleasant has 13 letters in it. TNT, the area, on if you look at a map, the TNT area is listed as Pond 13. Oh, my God. And most of the witnesses' names have 13 letters. What? Also, a lot of the people who are involved in the case, like John Keel, ends up being hospitalized on the 13th of every month. What the f- How many? Our letters, our names don't have that many. Letters. no okay good Just mine checking. is 11 mine's 17 but so yeah so <gasps> i didn't go through too many of the stories because like you can literally go on google and there's like oh, wait, so many endless yeah it, like i wanted to do kind of like a black-eyed kids thing where i just told you a bunch of different personal stories but the history of it was really interesting so if you want there was a really good post it was like 26 stories of mothman that was the one i was gonna read to people but you can just go read that. And Astonishing Legends did an awesome... And they had to do multi-part. Yeah. And they do the same topic together. So it's like they had to do multiple episodes <laughs> just for Mothman. Yeah. Like it was crazy. But they talked about, like, the sightings. <laughs> Sorry. What's the guy? There was a guy who, like, would appear to people in a suit and be like, Hello, I'm a human. And yeah. And they were like, You're not a human. 
like he like was the guys kind of an the alien. guys that was Mary higher yeah and he the would, men in black right the men in black and they would show up to people who had seen who had witnessed something and be like hello i am a normal human yeah it's so creepy it's it really freaked me out in their episodes but holy crap yep i didn't know about all the 13 and the long fingered dude and oh my god i think the long finger dude is the same hello i am a human guy maybe probably Explore new possibilities, pleasure zones, and find your vibe at funlove.com. Funlove.com is a leading online retailer of sensual health and wellness products, offering a wide array of premier brands of toys, lingerie, and accessories. I know I've talked about it before, but we received the most lovely gift basket from Funlove. First of all, I didn't know what it was at first, and then when I pulled out a vibrator, I thought, oh boy, this is not your everyday fruit basket. There was everything, I'm telling you, from sexy perfumes to toys to vibrators to lube. I mean, I gotta say, it's like a one-stop shop, okay? If you go to funlove.com and you're looking for maybe a romantic evening, either with a loved one or with yourself, they've got what you're looking for, I can promise you. So what are you waiting for? Explore, discover, indulge, and make love fun by visiting funlove.com. And if you live in Arizona or Colorado, check out one of their 18 store locations. Hey, maybe I'll stop by when I'm in town. And for a limited time, you can save 30% off your first order when you use the code DRINK at funlove.com. Head to funlove.com today and use code DRINK at checkout to save 30% off your first order. Visit funlove.com today. You know when you've got the holidays, the new year, and then all of a sudden it's sort of back to the grind? Especially if you run a small business, it can be really hard to get back into the swing of things, but Stamps.com is here to make that a little bit easier for you. Stamps.com streamlines all your mailing and shipping to turbocharge your operational efficiencies. For 25 years now, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses, whether they're mailing out checks, invoices, legal documents, books, podcast branded koozies, maybe that's just us, or anything else. Get access to to the USPS and UPS mailing services you need to run your business right from your computer anytime, day or night. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. And with rates you can't find anywhere else, like up to, get this, 89% off USPS and UPS, how could you go wrong? We have loved Stamps.com for years, not quite 25, but since we started the podcast, which was 2017, and we could not get by without it. I remember there were days where we didn't have Stamps.com, those I call the dark ages, and I was hand shipping everything and driving it on my lunch break to the post office. It was all very hectic. Stamps.com, I do it straight from my house, and it makes my life a trillion times easier. Keep your mailing and shipping moving at the speed of your business with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code DRINK for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code DRINK. Anyway, tell me your story. All right. I, as I told you, am quite excited about today's story. Okay, tell me. And yours was also, like, a winner, so we're going to have a whopping episode today. Okay. I'm going to talk about Lizzie Borden. (gasps) No way! I was in the airport... Uh, In Nashville, and a friend of mine had messaged me, and she and I had known each other in grad school at BU, and she was a, like, a graduate TA with me, Mm -hmm. and we taught COM 101 together, and her name's Allison. Oh, my God, there's so many Allisons that I'm bringing into the table. (laughs) Her name's Allison, and um, she messaged me, and we hadn't really talked, like, we weren't close in grad school, just like you and me, Mm -hmm. and she messaged me and was like, my friend and I really like your podcast, and uh, we just went to the Lizzie Borden house, and, like, it would be awesome if you could cover that, and I was like, hell yeah. 
So this is for her and for you. Yes. I've been to the house and I love it. Yeah. It's, she said the same thing. And then I, listen, here's what I did. Mm -hmm. I went into a, okay. So everyone, we're not very cool, right? Okay. I mean, I'm not. Right. You might be. Okay. But the fact that the other day you were like, YouTube's not a real thing. And I was like, oh yeah, that's her. No, but it is a thing apparently because I got sucked into BuzzFeed Unsolved on YouTube today. And I was like, what the fuck? And I was sitting in my little beanbag chair at Nickelodeon, like the most L.A. (laughs) person in the world. And I was watching BuzzFeed Unsolved Supernatural Mm -hmm. at the Lizzie Borden house. Mm -hmm. And I was so amped up that when my friend Josh was like, hey, are you coming to lunch? I about fucking punched him in the face. And I was like, I jumped like three feet in the air. That is scaring the shit out of me. I got a lot of my information from there. If you want to scare the shit out of yourself, go watch it. Okay. Also, I found our calling because that is our calling. They sleep over at creepy haunted places. One of them is a skeptic Mm -hmm. and one of them isn't. Well, that's not our calling. (laughs) Well, sure. But the one who isn't will like tell the story of what happened there. And they do like seances and shit or like sleep at the place and film the whole thing. Well, we can't take their idea. No, I know. But I feel like we're kind of their, like, partners. Oh, okay, yeah. In a less popular and less exciting way. I hear you. I hear you. Yep. But it's... (laughs) But I was watching and I was like, I want to do that. Okay. It's so cool. They just go places and, like, sleep there and, like, videotape it. Okay. Yeah. Are you just humoring me? No, I'm about it. Okay. Lizzie Borden. Yeah. Lizzie Borden. Took an axe, gave her mother 40 wax. After she saw what she'd done, she gave her father 41. All right, well, you ruined my little twist. In Virginia, that's what children sing to each other. It was actually made in England. Really? Yep. Fun fact. Yep. Didn't know. My friend Joanna, I was like, I'm doing Lizzie Borden today. And she was like, what's that? And I was like, girl, Google it. That's like the one that I've known my whole life. But she's not into like true crime and stuff. So I was like, Google it. And she did. And then um, I told her that little poem, and she was like, what the hell? And I was like, listen, you people made it up. Yeah. <laughs> they think it was, like, either a Mother Goose, that, like, anonymous, like, nursery rhyme character, yeah. or, like, a British. Or it's like your, like, your scissor-cutting, your scissor-hand monster in Germany. <laughs> it's, like, somewhere between Mother Goose Golden and Krampus. Krampus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like Mother Krampus. It's like Europeans are, like, fucked up. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lizzie Borden was born in Fall River, Massachusetts around 1860. Um, So her parents led pretty financially modest lives until her father prospered in the casket business. Mm, My favorite. Yep. I know the biz. You gotta gotta know the biz. Um, And became a successful property developer. At the time of his death, his estate was valued at $300,000, which today is over $8 million. I have that. That's fine. Casual. We'll just go buy it. It's like the podcasting fortune we've built. Oh, yeah. $8 million. <laughs> it's like in Austin Powers, and he's like, $1 million. Yeah. And they're like, that's literally no money at all. <laughs> yes, correct. Um, but although her father was pretty wealthy, Lizzie and her family lived a pretty frugal lifestyle. So her dad was a penny pincher, quote unquote. They didn't have amenities that most wealthy people had at the time, including plumbing and electricity. Mm -hmm. So he was like very stringent about what they had at their house. Right. Uh, Lizzie and her sister, Emma had a pretty religious upbringing. Lizzie herself was very involved in her local church. She taught Sunday school to children of immigrants who had just moved to the United States. 
and her mother died when she was pretty young. So three years after her mother died, her father married a woman named Abby Durfee. Mm-hmm. And Lizzie believed Abby was after her father's money. And um, although she called Abby mother for a while, uh, their relationship grew pretty strained. And she started calling her Mrs. Borden instead of Abby or mom. So it was a little bit. It was like a transition because originally Uh she and Emma called her mother or mom. Right. Or Abby. And then after a while, they started calling her Mrs. Borden, which is just creepy. Can you imagine calling your mom like Mrs. Well, I wouldn't even know what last name to go with. I don't either. There's a (laughs) lot of options. (laughs) I tried to figure out what I should call your mom. I know. You were like, what do I call her? I'm like, Renata. Just do it. (laughs) Yeah, because this was the first time I've actually met Renata this weekend, guys. Yes. It's the only constant, though. No offense, mom. But it's the only constant because there's... It's true. I was like, do I call you Ms. Sturdivant, Ms. Schieffer, Ms. Here's the thing. Her middle name used to be Christine. Like, she named me after her own middle name. (laughs) And then she got married a couple times and was like, Oh, forget my middle name. I'm going to put my maiden name and as my middle name and then replace my last name. And I was like, you know oh what? My God. She got rid of Christine. She just canceled it out of her name. That's nice. kind of offends me, but whatever. My mom's maiden name, middle name. Her middle name is Diane. <gasps> Linda Diane. Linda That's Diane. the most American name. I know. My mother is Renate Christina Kaiser. What a German name. Yeah, it is. Now she changed it from Christine to Kaiser. <laughs> stupid (laughs) anyway this is bananas in may of 1892 lizzie's father andrew killed the pigeons in his barn with a hatchet believing they were attracting local children to hunt them but lizzie was distraught because she had built a roost for the pigeons and was upset that they were killed and two months later, so 1892 was like a very fateful year for this family. Yeah, it was 100 years before I was born. So Sure. It was just leading up to it the great things. It was bound to be right. a fateful fucking Destined, year. one might say. Yes. 1891, 100 years before I was born, uh-huh. nothing interesting happened. No, we know that. But 1892 was like the time. Booming. Yeah, booming time. So the pigeons were all killed with a hatchet, which is also just like, what the f- I mean, sociopath. Whatever. So the pigeons were all killed. Then two months later, a family argument prompted uh, Lizzie and her sister Emma to take extended vacations to New Bedford, Massachusetts to just Mm -hmm. get away from their family. And then when a few weeks later, Lizzie returned home to Fall River. And instead of going back home, uh, she stayed a few days at a rooming house before finally feeling comfortable enough to move back to the family home. And meanwhile, tension within the family was growing because Andrew, her father, was giving away real estate to people in his wife, Abby's family. So, Mm -hmm. like, uh, in-laws and stuff. He was kind of just giving away property. Must be nice. Property. Oh, you want my land here? Just go on. I've got enough. What? That must be nice. Just be able to pass off land like that. I mean, not if it's your dad giving away property to others. No, I mean, it must be nice to be him to just have just, like, Oh, sure, but he's also very penny-pinching. He's not even, he doesn't even have a toilet in his house. That's true. And that was like pretty, I mean, pretty my, common. I'm going to tell you, my house in Ohio was built in 1890 and it was built with indoor plumbing and it wasn't like super fancy or anything, but like, do you still have like original plumbing? <laughs> like what's the flush level? Mm, not great. I'm going to be really? honest. I'm going to be honest. It's That's pretty... like the one thing I demand wherever I live is it's... that the water, water pressure has got to no, be it's real good. All very fine. But okay. it's, it's definitely like. 1890s plumbing got it no it's okay you know what we'll find out on october 13th good luck with that 
when you cool. requested to not pay for a hotel room, this is what you're getting out of it. So <laughs> I want free good, board, good aka eighteen nineties toilets. But also water pressure, please. Thank you. Yep. So she moved back into her family's house. Uh and meanwhile tension was growing within the family. Um the family then all of them got very sick. For several days, everyone in the household was violently ill. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a family friend later said it could have been mutton that they left on the stove mm-hmm. uh, for several days worth of meals. But Abby, the stepmother, was worried someone was poisoning them because Andrew, her husband, wasn't a very popular guy around town and very wealthy. Ooh. Yeah. So they were like, oh, it's either the mutton we're eating for many, many days at a time or <laughs> someone's poisoning our milk. And also at the time, they weren't using refrigeration. So no, like, I mean, it was like keep it on the stove. They didn't yeah. have electricity. Yeah. Yeah. So it could really could have just been bad meat. They literally didn't have toilets in the house. Like they had nothing indoor plumbing or electricity. Yeah, exactly. So it could have very well been like bad meat. Just trying to be frugal about what they ate. Right. On August 3rd of 1892. So this is like two months later. Lizzie's uncle, John Morse, came to stay with the family to discuss business matters with Andrew. And this led to more tension within the family because he was uh, Lizzie's mom's brother. So okay. the mom who had died. The mom who died. So he's not technically like in the fam anymore. He's a, an in-law. Right. So mm-hmm. he showed up and was like, we need to talk money and business. And apparently that was like not pretty and Things were not going great, and again, Andrew was, like, really frugal and was not wanting to, like, help right. out. Um, and now I'm going to give a fun timeline from a website. So this website really helped me a lot in terms of, like, the way you said with Mothman, how it was kind of hard to, like, figure out how to tell right. the story. Yeah. Like, this really... I wrote it out four times until <laughs> I... Three times until I figured out, like, the best way to do it. And this website called allthatsinteresting.com. Oh. Are we on there? ATI. Weird. Dude, we're the front page. Knew it. All that's interesting. Home page. Yeah. Yes. Nope. ATI, ATWWD. Nope. That's not us. Here's the timeline. I'm ready. Morning of August 4th, 1892. The Borden house. Everyone woke up really early. The maid of the family, an Irish immigrant named Bridget Maggie Sullivan, mm. uh, served breakfast to Andrew and his wife, Abby, as usual. Emma, the older daughter, was away visiting friends. Mm-hmm, I'm I sure. I don't usually have uh, paper notes. Sorry. I was... We went very old school today. Neither of us brought our computers. It's amazing. Wow. We're recording this on an, a tape recorder. On a wooden hoop and a stick. <laughs> Eva's just sitting here churning like a... Churning butter. A rock. Yep, a oh, butter. What were uh, you going to say? R- a rock. I don't know. A churning a rock. <laughs> Eva, you've got it all wrong. <laughs> I was trying to think how you could record something on a rock. I don't know. You know what? Eva's sitting here on an 1890s toilet with no <laughs> water pressure. Churning butter. <laughs> Eating mutton. Eating mutton. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> I regret everything. Okay. Oh, that's the sound of my horse and buggy. There's my friend. Coming to pick you up in his horse and buggy. All right. Cute. Thanks. Okay. So, Maggie, Bridget, yes. the maid. Was making breakfast or something. served breakfast to Andrew and Abby. As usual, Emma was away visiting friends in another town. Yes, which I call bullshit on interesting because 
Because what? Because why? But okay, sure. I just feel like when you're away, like you're, I mean, we're addressing an alibi. We're away for like months, so like, oh, that's why not? You know, I just want it to be interesting. I mean, sure. I mean, it's all things interesting. It's definitely gonna get interesting whether she's away or not. So I feel like I just wanted Emma to be part of the fun, part of the melee. So Lizzie slept in that day. She came downstairs after her uncle John had left the house. So remember, he came the day before to like talk money with. Who could forget? Yeah, yeah. Who could forget John? Uncle John. Lizzie decided against eating breakfast. Um, Andrew, her father, decided to go downtown around nine in the morning. And while he was away, Abby, Lizzie's stepmother, uh, went upstairs to make the bed that Uncle John had slept in the night before in the guest room. Mm. So at one point, she left the room to get fresh pillowcases. But other than that, she was in that room. Uh, Meanwhile, Andrew, uh, Lizzie's father, had returned home and his key didn't work. So he knocked on the front door and the maid, Bridget, let him in. Lizzie came downstairs and claimed that Abby, or Mrs. Borden, as she called her, mm-hmm. had left the house after learning that a friend of hers was sick. And Andrew believed the story, settled in on a sofa in the sitting room, and took a nap. Bridget, who was Bridget the maid, who was not feeling well, who had been throwing up that morning from mm-hmm. that sickness that they all had, went to take a nap in her room and awoke shortly after to the sound of Lizzie screaming downstairs. And the... Thing she heard Lizzie screaming was, quote, Bridget, come quick. Father's dead. I'm sorry. This is wrong. The sound of Lizzie screaming. <laughs> Bridget, come quick. Father's not dead. Was that better? <laughs> I'm sorry. I did a control F and I changed the name. Okay, here we go. Oh, my God. Let me say it again. So she heard Lizzie screaming downstairs. She heard her screaming, Maggie, come quick. Father's dead. Somebody's come in and killed him. Hmm. And so Bridget, or Maggie as they called her, ran downstairs to find Andrew slumped on the couch in the living room, his head hacked ten times mm-hmm. with some sort of a hatchet. One of his eyeballs, this is gross. Uh, yeah, I've seen PS the picture. Warning, had been split cleanly in two, suggesting that he'd been asleep when he was attacked. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was still bleeding, meaning the attack had been recent. So Lizzie asked Bridget to go find the doctor across the street and Bridget returned soon after with one of the neighbors and the commotion summoned more neighbors who called the police. And at this point, Abby's whereabouts, the stepmother, were still unknown. Lizzie told the gathering crowd of neighbors the same story she told her father, which was that her stepmother had received a note saying her friend was sick and that she had to leave the house. But when Bridget and one of the neighbors went upstairs, they saw Abby's feet sticking out from behind her bed. And at first they thought she may have fainted after seeing her husband's dead body downstairs. Uh, But when they walked to the other side of the bed, they saw her body face down in a Mm -hmm. pool of her own blood. Yep. Did you see the pictures? Yep. They're wild. They're not fun. According to the forensic investigation, Abby was facing her killer at the time of the attack. She was struck on the side of the head with a hatchet, which cut her just above the ear, which caused her to turn and then face fall face down on the floor. And then her killer struck her 19 times on the back of the head until she was dead mm-hmm. with a hatchet-like object. So, they're dead. Oh, yeah. Let's discuss. Let's discuss. My friends at allthatsinteresting.com put it this way, which I thought was very interesting. Quote, was Lizzie Borden just a sweet Sunday school teacher unfairly blamed for her parents' deaths? Yes. Or did she <laughs> brutally and methodically murder her parents? And get away with it. Mm-hmm. So yes to both. 
Oh, no, she's guilty. Oh, you think she's guilty? Oh, yeah, she's guilty. Okay, let's crack into it. Let's do that. So, Lizzie's sister Emma was out of town at the time, so she's pretty much out of the picture as far as, like, immediate suspects go. Um, Even though you apparently think that she was guilty, but we'll get into that later. I mean, I think of all, Lizzie is hella guilty. Okay. But so Emma's, like, out of it for now. Sure. As far as the police investigation goes, they were like, she's not there. So at at first, the police did not suspect Lizzie. Uh, She swore she was in the barn when the attacks took place. Uh, And, you know, she was a white woman of wealth. And they were like, she couldn't have been the suspect. So they did not question her at first. But in the days following the murders, a lot of clues began to confuse the investigation. And suspicion started to fall on Lizzie. First, they found a bloody hatchet on a neighboring farm. But that turned out to have been used to kill chickens. So that was out. Got it. Uh, then a man had been reportedly seen wandering the property, but he had an airtight alibi. So that was canceled out. In the basement, police found two hatchets, two axes, and a hatchet head with a broken handle, which was determined to be the murder weapon because the break in the handle was fresh and the dust on the head of the hatchet had been applied manually. Ooh. So someone had tried to make it look make like it, look old. it was sitting Unused. there for a long yeah. time. And there was no blood on it. So police stationed themselves around the house after the day of the murder. And later that night, an officer saw Lizzie enter the basement and bend over the pails containing her parents' bloody clothing. And she kind of looked through them. And that was all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's that note that Lizzie claimed her stepmother received about a sick friend. So Abby had clearly never left the house after she had apparently received this note. So... They looked for the note, and they were like, well, if there was a note that she had received, where was it? And then Lizzie told her friend Alice Russell that her stepmother must have accidentally burned it. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. You know. Right, of course. Yep. Uh, Investigators also discovered that the day before the murders took place, Lizzie had tried to buy something called prussic acid, uh, a.k.a. cyanide, Mm -hmm. from a local drugstore. But the clerk said she needed a prescription before she could purchase it. And that was later ruled inadmissible in court because um, it didn't directly relate and it didn't... Right. Like, no one had been killed with cyanide, although maybe in the mutton. There was not. Eh, Nope. They searched it. They searched the milk. They searched the mutton. They searched their stomach contents. No poison. Got it. Which I was going to say, but I'll just throw it in now. Okay. So, a few days later, so Alice Russell, the friend... Yeah. ...who was staying with Lizzie at the time... Uh, saw Lizzie burning one of her dresses at the stove in her house. Uh-huh. A likely story. <laughs> when she asked why when she asked why she was burning her dress, she said, Well, it's stained, so it can't be worn anymore, so I'm gonna burn it. I mean that's what I do with all my clothes. It's like Goodwill wasn't around back then, so no. what were you to do? What were you to do? You know, like You have enough quilts. I wore a new blouse too our meetup in nashville mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i spilled lots of things on it all alcohol all alcohol it's very flammable it's very easy to just burn it up you might as well just do it before the fire gets you first you don't want to just have it hanging as yeah. a fire hazard in your home right of course yep i think it makes perfect sense i think so too so she set her entire dress ablaze ablaze however uh-huh this is a fun one, too. I love fun things. There are plenty of other theories regarding what could have happened to the bloody clothes, if there were any. 
because uh, the number of hatchet axe wounds to the head would have, as investigators determined, would have left a whole bloody mess on whoever had done it. Mm -hmm. And since Lizzie's dress did not have blood on it, as far as Bridget the maid had testified, this is what may have happened if there had been bloody clothes. So Lizzie was actually menstruating that day. Oh, my God. Okay, here we go. She was on her period. Right. And even while the police searched the house for clues, they actually, so she at one point carried down like several bloody rags from her bedroom. And since they were, you know, proper Victorian gentlemen, Mm -hmm. they all turned around and did not want anything to do with the menstruation situation that was going on. Out of fear, not respect, by the way, because they're gentlemen. 100%. Okay. It's not like, oh, we want to respect you and your womanhood. It's like, like, get away. It's like, you're disgusting. Yeah. And we don't want to look at it. Move, pig. Something disgusting and horrible like that. Get out the way. Get out the way. You know? (laughs) Move, bitch. Get out the way. My favorite song. Yes. I mean, they definitely sang that in the 1890s. Yeah. They had a whole, oh man, I'm picturing the dance. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) So anyway... That was part of the problem is that she was apparently menstruating and she had a lot of bloody rags and clothing that she was actually removing from the house. And Bridget, the maid, actually carried out a bundle of bloody clothing out of the house as part of uh, Lizzie's, you know, period rags. I don't know what you call them back then. Menstruation rags. I don't know. They literally used rags. Right. I mean, that's the phrase on the rag. On the rag. Exactly. It's a really feminist supporting way to say you're on your period on the rack. I also like how you said that her menstruating was part of the problem. And I'm like, isn't it always? <laughs> that seems to still be something that men will say. I mean, correct. It's always. Yeah. Correct. As someone who's currently on the rag. Oh, my. What the fuck was that? What was that? Was that my phone? Yeah. But what was weird is it made the sound that my phone makes when. I know. That's it sounded like me. you've got mail. Lizzie Borden doesn't like us talking about her menstruation. Shit. My phone knows when I'm on my period. Okay, here's the thing. Tell me the thing. <sighs> that scared me. I'm going to be honest. That really scared me. Okay, so she was on her period. So they were like, well, she carried about out a bunch of bloody clothes. And then her lawyers were like, well, she was bleeding out of her Hoo-ha. uterus. Hoo-ha. Hoo-ha. I don't sure know. am. Just imagine uh, whatever they say back then. Yep. Her hoo-ha Her was, hoo-ha. Her hoo-ha was bleeding. <laughs> so. Her bleeder was bleeding. I don't know. Oh, oh, oh my. M- Let's change the topic. M- change the topic. Why don't we have like one of those inserts? Here's the thing. I think I'd really like to hear you keep talking about it though. I don't want to. Take it back. Please keep talking. You know I'm going <laughs> to. You know I'm going to fill the void and it's just going to get worse. So here's the thing. This is where another fun theory comes in, that she did the crime naked. Mm. Because her clothes... So, okay. So My the, favorite so far. Oh, God damn it. But it's because... No, it's probably because... It's interesting. So she could just... Yeah, it's interesting. It's X-rated. But also it's because... So she could just throw wash her body off and put the clothes right back on. Yes. It'd be like, oh, you had no blood on your clothes. Exactly. And the thing was... Genius. Too, that her dress that Bridget, the maid, saw her in. She's like, I saw her in a blue dress. I had no stains on it. And they were like, well, she could have changed. But the dresses in the time were so fucking complicated to put on their bodies. I see. You can't just, like, murder people. It's not like a maxi dress. No, you can't just, like, throw a piece of cotton on your body. It's like, you Mm -hmm. gotta tie yourself in. 
you got to have someone help you right, hoist right, right. yourself. It's a whole thing. And so uh, being able to like fucking murder two people and then change real quick and get rid of your dress. It's like wasn't it wasn't. A I thing. mean, that's a multitasker multitasker indeed. And so that's why a lot of people think maybe not a lot of people, but it's definitely a theory that mm-hmm. she may have done it in the nude. Well, they, I, I'm a big fan of America's Next Top Model. I feel like that could be like one of the uh, one of the tests. 100%. Like, okay, you have 30 seconds to get in a very complicated outfit, murder two people, and do do this. Take this hatchet, murder your loved ones, and then put bath. on a corset. 45 seconds go. Change inside a bloodbath of a crime scene. And every way you do it, Tyra Banks is going to be mad. Yeah. Yeah, but her eyes are going to look so good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The smoky eye is going to get you. Yeah. So it doesn't exactly matter where you really. need to be. It doesn't really matter. Um, and that's the moral of the story. But I'm going to keep talking. So they did an inquest and they were like, we're going to figure out whether Lizzie did it. During the inquest, Lizzie's behavior was erratic. She often contradicted herself. Uh, at one point, she claimed to, for example, have taken her father's shoes off him when he came home. Mm-hmm. But like all the crime scene photos, he was always wearing shoes. So like... She would just say things, and then the next time be like, no, that I didn't say that. That didn't happen. Like, <laughs> she just was like completely off her rocker in the answers. However, this is something they don't usually talk about. She had been prescribed regular doses of morphine to calm her nerves, so it's very possible that her testimony was affected by this. And as someone who has been hospitalized several times and been on morphine and has been witnessed personally by M. Schultz Christina, on morphine. Christine on morphine is just the greatest. Morphine Christine is her own character. <clears throat> She's a force to be reckoned with. And I will say, if someone questioned me in a courtroom while I was high on morphine. It'd be the happiest. Oh, I got a lot to say. The happiest response you've ever gotten is what I mean, it would be. Maybe not if it was murdered, my murdered parents, but. Yeah, I would have a lot to say, and it would probably not make any fucking sense. So you got to consider that, is all I'm saying. Is all I'm saying. Um, because back then they were like, oh, here's a prescription of fucking morphine to like... Also sign me up. Where the fuck... Calm you down. Yeah, oh my gosh, I could use a real nice little shot Ooh, of morphine. What a mess. Um, so, so then the inquest determined that she was guilty. So they sent her to trial. And uh, her trial took place in New Bedford, Massachusetts, starting June 5th, 1893. It was widely publicized and became a media sensation, especially because she was a woman. Mm-hmm. The victim's heads were removed during autopsy and the skulls were used as evidence during the trial. Oh, boy. And at one point, the tissue paper covering her father's skull blew off and she saw it and completely fainted and passed out in the courtroom. And then later they buried the heads of her father and her stepmother at the feet of their graves, which I, I thought was a little strange, but you know, whatever. On June 20th, after deliberating only 90 minutes, the jury of apparently 12 mustachioed men uh, acquitted her and said "There's she's innocent. She's not guilty. There's no way she could have done it. Right. However, as you have guessed, and I'm sure many people have guessed, most people still believe she did it. Yeah. Let's get into theories real quick. After Lizzie was acquitted, no one else was charged. And here are the suspects that are still discussed to this day. So, obviously, Lizzie herself is the number one suspect. Although she was acquitted at trial, she remains a prime suspect. One writer has proposed that she committed the murders while in a fugue state. Because apparently, 
this is another theory. I don't know if this is related. I mean, it's related. I don't know if it's like the same thing, but some people argue that she, and I think this is more of a Victorian era theory, but that while she was menstruating, she would get these like um, seizures Mm -hmm. and they would send her into a fugue state. Like hysteria. These like uh, petite mall seizures and like not hysteria, but like a, just a total like fugue state where she would just not remember okay. just go dissociative she, yeah and she would just have a seizure and it would like completely disassociate her from reality so that was one theory um another prominent theory suggests that she was physically and sexually abused by her father but oh boy. there's little evidence to support that but um again incest is not something they would have discussed at the time so it's sometimes thought like maybe that's a possibility and like, obviously, as far as physical evidence goes, they were not collecting that kind of evidence, so who knows? But also, there really is no evidence to support that, but some people do propose that theory. And then, here's another one. This is a good one. Bridget Sullivan, the maid. Uh, some people believe that she went into a rage at being ordered to clean the windows on a hot day. I would. 110 degrees that day. Apparently, cleaning the windows was the worst possible thing to be doing. And she did not have a good relationship with uh, the woman of the household, Abby. She was still recovering from her, like, flu or food poisoning or whatever. Some people think maybe she snapped. Well, I also, yeah, that's what I was, I remember, because in the tour, you get to see everyone's rooms. You get to stand in their rooms. You get to, like, creepily fucking take pictures on, like, the things that people died on. But uh, you get to go into the room that Maggie stayed in, Bridget. Yeah. And it's literally up in the attic. It's the smallest fucking room on earth. I mean, also heat rises and it's like a wooden house. So you're just baking in this fucking yeah. house in heavy clothing and it's in the hundreds. And she had severe food poisoning. Yeah. And apparently the theory is that like Abby was saying like, you have to, you have to clean the uh, the windows. You have to clean the windows. And it was like, like imagine the worst food poisoning of your life. It's 110 degrees. It is fucking burning in your house and you're expected to wear like really heavy tight constricting clothes and all you want to do is run to the bathroom which out without fucking toilets by the way mm-hmm. and also your boss is demanding that you clean the windows so that's one of the theories and then there's just sounds like hell there's a counter to that okay because apparently two boys broke into the house while the police were like investigating mm-hmm. because they called the police and like obviously they were like getting the bodies and two little boys like broke into the attic and climbed up there and they were later questioned and they said like since the two windows were open it was actually much cooler than the rest of the house mm. because um of the cross draft and so they went up there and like checked the temperatures and it was actually much cooler than people had like insinuated like oh well it must be hot because it's up there but apparently the way that the windows were open anyway it wasn't weird. as hot, which was just a weird, yeah, thing. And they were, and a lot of people said like she had worked there for so many years, like it, like why wouldn't they why, let her have a day off? Well, but like why would she suddenly be like, I'm gonna put seventeen oh, yeah, hatchet yeah. blows into your head because you're not letting me pent up rage? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which I, yeah, which I get. But then also like, why would Lizzie cover for you or whatever? Mm-hmm. Like it just seems like a lot. So, but it is a possibility. Yes. So that is one of the possibilities. Another thought was that uh, John, the uncle who was staying at the house, um, had somehow been upset about like their financial arrangement. And he and um, Andrew had like kind of a business together. Mm -hmm. And so he was maybe upset that like things weren't going well and snapped. And he had 
quote unquote axe them himself. Got it. But again, like that's there's no hard evidence for that except that he rarely spoke to them after the murders but also like i probably wouldn't either right <laughs> That's yeah so scary and awful i probably wouldn't talk to them either so who knows now this is a very interesting theory okay we'll talk about it so uh one author named ed mcbain wrote a novel called lizzie in 1984 and he suggested that lizzie committed the murders after being caught in a lesbian tryst with bridget the maid mm. and he basically speculated that abby the stepmother had caught lizzie and bridget together had reacted with horror and disgust and that lizzie had then killed abby with a candlestick and when andrew her father returned home she had confessed he had reacted the same way so she had hatcheted him to death and then uh basically bridget covered for her um, and the only reason this is kind of like uh, supported in later years is that uh, Lizzie was later rumored to be a lesbian. Um, although Bridget later married a man, which doesn't necessarily mean much yeah. in the 1920s. But yeah, uh, Bridget allegedly gave a deathbed confession to her sister, stating that she had changed her testimony in order to protect Lizzie on the stand. Wow. And that was like before she died. That's what she said, that she had changed her testimony. I believe it. I mean, also, I'm going off of a very vague reference, but there is a Lizzie Borden movie with Christina Ricci, which... Oh, yes. By the way, like, she is exactly what I imagined Lizzie Borden to be like. And uh, I think I I could also be, like, putting it in my own head, but I think in that movie, they, like, kind of hinted that it, there was a lesbian Probably. relationship. Where, like, they never said anything out loud, but the characters and the movie yeah. like looked at each other a little too long and all that yeah yeah apparently that movie got real shit ratings because i was gonna watch oh, yeah. it it's it's a, <laughs> it has really bad ratings but if you like the lizzie borden story it's still worth seeing at least okay. once i might watch it yeah but yeah so uh the only problem with that too is like okay so lizzie never married um she and emma her sister never married um she also later became very close friends with an actress named nance o'neill who was referred to by feminists as an overt lesbian and because of that uh her sister emma moved out of their house because she was uncomfortable with her friendship with got it this actress who was a lesbian and actually after her sister moved out in 1905 she never saw her again really yeah so she moved out and it was such a big problem that uh they never saw each other again but that being said there's a counter argument just because someone isn't married by 30 doesn't mean they're a lesbian because they don't marry a man you know right, so right, right. there's like that whole issue of like okay she didn't get married that doesn't mean she's gay you right know? and just because she's gay doesn't mean she's having an affair with the maid right know? right right. It, it's like a little bit like people a lot are, of assumptions are like layered yeah. on top and people are creating like kind of dramatic tales out of it which is like not necessarily well i, I love a dramatic lesbian layered tale i know and it's like a fun theory, but it's also like maybe not the most pol like right, politically correct, plausible. Well, I don't know. Maybe not politically correct either, but not the most plausible or the most likely. Um, so all in all, as far as I'm concerned, I think either Lizzie or Bridget did it mm -hmm. because it, someone would have had to have hidden in the house the entire time waiting for you know the dad to come home the stepmom to come home right and somehow hidden from bridget and lizzie if they were hiding in the house 
Right. And, and, and officials after they walked in, unless yeah. they ran off, that yeah. everyone would see a bloody man running. Exactly. And Bridget or and woman. Lizzie, like, somehow didn't happen to see what was going on. And Lizzie also had a motive, which was that she had, A, been angry with her parents for several days over financial issues and was also set to receive a huge inheritance mm-hmm. um, from her father's will if both he and Abby were dead. So after the trial, the Borden sisters moved into a large modern house in the Hill neighborhood in Fall River, which was a super fashionable area. They had plumbing. They had electricity. They had a really fashionable home. Right. Lizzie changed her name to Elizabeth. And at their new house, the sisters had a staff. They had live-in maids, a housekeeper, a coachman. And um, because Abby said the stepmom was ruled to have died before Andrew, her entire estate went to Andrew. And then when he died, his entire estate went to them. So it was the timing of it that really, like, they got a a huge settlement out of it. Made out like a bandit, They got a huge part of his estate. Yep. And then um, Abby's family did get, like, a big settlement out of, you know, her death. But still, they got a lot of money and a lot of property out of it. Elizabeth was ostracized by the, by society, despite her being acquitted. Right. Uh, her name was, a couple of years later, brought back into the public eye because she was accused of shoplifting in 1897 in Rhode Island. People refused to sit near her at church. Children would ring her doorbell in the middle of the night and pelt her house with gravel and eggs. Oh. You know. At least nowadays we just egg houses. We don't gravel them. That would gravel suck. And eggs. I feel like eggs are worse. I feel like gravel's worse. Getting pelted with rocks? Yeah, but it's just your house. If you pelt a house with eggs, then you That's have to like, power hose it. I'm imagining she opened the door and then they threw no. gravel. Okay, whatever. Well, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe Lizzie can let us know. <laughs> nope, please don't. Em, we're getting to your favorite part. You ready? So Lizzie got her, Lizbeth, got her gallbladder removed uh, and she got sick and she died of pneumonia on June 1st, 1927, age 66. Nine days later, her sister Emma died at the age of 76 in a nursing home in New Hampshire. So even though they had never seen each other after their split up, they both they died, died. within days yeah. of each other. So the sisters, neither of them had ever married. They were buried side by side in the family plot next to their parents, which is just such an interesting concept to me that like the parents were buried, their skulls at their feet, and then the sisters stopped speaking and then they were both buried next to each other next to their parents that they may have killed. It's like so much drama after death. Just like packed into one little plot. Yeah. Oh my God. Imagine like assuming they all went to heaven not likely but like <laughs> if you imagine them like at the gates imagine the drama before they walked in. oh my god imagine the parents showing up at the gates being like oh no no no, no. imagine the parents being like my fucking head isn't even on my shoulders no they put my head below my feet yeah the fuck the fuck is that about yeah p.s you can see their skulls on the internet it's not okay it's not they're bashed in pretty bad yeah they're fucked up so, Elizabeth left $30,000 to the Fall River Animal Rescue League, mm-hmm. which today is about $567,000. Casual. She also left about $500, today 9000 in trust to care for her father's grave. She was the source of this uh, lovely poem that you've already referenced and that um, I have been repeating in my head over and over. Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. 
after she saw what she'd done, she gave her father 41. Correct. Which isn't actually accurate. No, it is not. As you have just learned from my story. Yes, just now. The Borden home is now a museum and a bed and breakfast, uh, as my friend Allison clearly can attest to, and apparently you can as well. Yeah. You can literally, like, they let you sit on the couch that her father's Uh, head was fucking beaten into. I got some fun facts here. I've sat on the couch. Guests can tour the property, uh, watch an annual dramatization of the events, which, by the way, I watched it, and it was kind of hilarious, because it was, like, 2008, they used, like aerial powerpoint font to like yeah title all the and it was these so mean i'm sorry but it's all these actors being like oh like <laughs> i found his body in the room and there's all these like uh <laughs> 2008 tourists with like kodak disposable cameras oh like, my god click 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 and i'm like this is so awful to watch but it's pretty comical it's, it's not, such a mockery. I'm sure in person it's not comical. Right, but right, right. Watching it on YouTube was pretty comical. But it is really horribly eerie. It's a mockery. It really is. Um, so you can watch a dramatization on the anniversary each year. You can stay overnight in the bedrooms originally occupied by Lizzie, Emma, and their parents. Mm-hmm. And even enjoy the same exact breakfast that they ate the day they died. Yeah. So that the breakfast that Maggie or Bridget made for Andrew... And Abby, you can, the next morning, if you stay there, they serve you the same breakfast. Yep. It's so fucked up. And then I read this really fun article on Jezebel.com called My Sleepless Night Alone at the Haunted Lizzie Borden B&B. Yay! (laughs) I was like, this is why I wanted to study journalism back in the day. So this is the author. Okay, so the article is brilliantly written and hilarious and creepy, and you should read it. But some of the little excerpts. She explained that graphic crime scene photos are prominently displayed in the rooms. A lot of signs jokingly tell you to watch your head. I mean, come on. It's true. And the di- I, can, I can confirm. And the dining room china cabinet contains two model skulls that shows exactly uh, how the Bordens were bludgeoned. I was going to say that earlier when you said you can see pictures of the skulls. I was like, actually, you can see like makeshift versions of their brains because if you go on a tour they'll hold the skulls to show you how they like yeah she was saying that when she like walked in so she's seen one of the rooms that they said was the only room that wasn't haunted on site but like she said when she walked into mrs borden's room like abby's room that they were like oh do you want to lie down where she was found? yeah and you can take this is where it gets like super disrespectful because like you can take you can take well not only that so she she didn't die on the bed she died on the floor right next to her bed and so they will literally ask if you want, you can lie down. Like you just said, they have pictures of all the crime scene photos. It's so fucked up. So you can, and the same carpet is there. So you can see the picture from a hundred years ago and see the same carpet that you're standing on. And if you want, you can, they, the picture is there so you can mirror it perfectly. You can put your feet out. So where you're on the landing, you could see your feet from yeah. where they saw her feet and thought maybe she fainted. But yep. no, she's fucking been bludgeoned And to you death. can lie there and put your head exactly where her head was. Like, it's so fucked What's up. What's wrong like, with people? How, like, you could put your, like, you can intentionally put your face down on a piece of carpet that you know 100 years ago had blood and brains on. And also, you know, so many people have, like, put their face on it to be like, look, I'm being a murder, murder victim. Yeah, ha, ha, ha. And also, like, the, um the, the couch that the, the dad died on. Mm-hmm. I think the only reason I sat on it um, I know that the couch itself apparently got changed out or something like that. I think that. they put like a replica couch. Yeah, in. it was like 
so I felt okay sitting on it and that like, hey, I came to the Lizzie Borden house and took a picture, but I didn't like there are people who like reenact like lie there and look like they're dead and it shit. is bananas because if you watch i just sat there and just kind of like half like did like that white people smile where i'm like i'm uncomfortable but here i am you're like I'm okay like, mom take a photo like the closed smile where everyone's uncomfortable including yeah. me that's what i did on the couch if you watch those youtube videos like they literally have actors lie down and then they put bloody sheets over their heads yeah and they're like look it's a bludgeon they're like oh mr so mr was yeah, yeah. bludgeoned to death and you're like what the fuck like it's this really actually up. happened and so they have okay so this is the best part i don't know if you know about this have you spent the night you didn't spend the night there did you i refused to okay good i refused to here's the thing so they have a fun thing called the ouija board oh of the house okay 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 so they have a house ouija board um according to legend it was stolen a few years ago only to be returned months later with an ominous note reading, please make it stop. Oh, shit. Return to the house. The author of this Jezebel article did the Ouija board with the other people that were staying there. Nothing too interesting happened, but I think they were doing it wrong because the way they described it, I was like, that's not how a Ouija board works. But oh, okay. They were like, we each put our one finger on it at a time. And I was like, that's not no. how it works. <laughs> but okay. But yeah, so that's the story of the Lizzie Borden house. It's fucking haunted. And I watched BuzzFeed Unsolved. And I was so jumpy that my friend Josh was like, want to go to lunch? And I almost, I literally almost broke his fucking jaw. Because I was like, get away from me. It's that, sh that, I'm so lame that I didn't know YouTube was such a cool thing. And then I started watching it. And now I'm terrified to sleep. Good. So... Um, check it out. Okay. It's scary as shit. Also, you should at least go to the house at least once sometime. It's, I will. It's worth the tour. Because also the girl that I went, uh, the, the tour guide that I had, she was, that was probably the most knowledgeable tour guide I've ever Wait, had in my entire life. I, I couldn't tell well, you. Well, because the tour guide in this one was also similar and she had a, a hatchet tattoo on oh. her hand because she was that devoted to the story. I don't, I don't remember, but I mean... The only reason I went is because we were in, we lived in Boston. Yeah. And so it was just like easy to go. Yeah. I remember her being so knowledgeable that like, you still don't know at the end, like who did it, but she makes like her, the way that what she described her theory? it. I mean, she made it very clear that like Lizzie did it. Oh, cause the, the host or the tour guide with the hatchet thing, she believed that, I think she believed the uncle did it. Oh, weird. Yeah, yeah. No, this girl was like, who's to say? Like, she did a very good job of, like, yeah, giving you every theory. they make it very... But she, like, very much hinted that, like, if you don't think it's Lizzie by the end of this, you're a fucking idiot. Interesting, because this one apparently was like, no, I'm 100% convinced it was... Weird. Maybe you have to... It's like, yeah. it's like, like, trading cards. Like, you have to go with each tour guide to get the whole story. Ah, let's go. No, let's not. I don't let's go but let's not spend the night because the, let's go and pay all of them to tell us the same story dude, all at one time the BuzzFeed Unsolved people they spent the night there and I'm like and this is literally our well the only reason I don't want to stay in there is because like the upstairs is relatively small oh, that I can remember share a bed. we shared a bed though but it was a king, yeah but we a shared a bed that didn't bed. as far as we know didn't have several blood stains hidden in the, in the fibers <laughs> of the carpet but like I mean it's it's very it's super eerie. What if you... Okay, this is a really weird question. But what if you, like, stayed there and you, like, had sex in that room? 
Like, wouldn't that be weird to be like, I had sex in Lizzie Borden's room? I think the only... Because I read that people went on their anniversary, and I'm like, what a weird... Yeah, it's a big anniversary spot, which really fucks me up. What a weird place to, like... The only way I can possibly be okay with someone doing that and, like, not judging them is that if it's, like, heat of the moment, you can't control it, and then afterwards, you're like, oh my god, we just fucking did that. (laughs) I feel so gross. You're like, we're gonna eat Johnny Cakes for breakfast, and then we're gonna get out of here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) What the fuck? It's just so weird to me to be like, there's no way I could enjoy any of that knowing that in the exact same bed, someone was literally brutally murdered two feet away from where her body was fucking bludgeoned 17 times blood. Like you're in the bed that blood definitely also horrifying, horrifying. So speaking of Lizzie's, there was a Lizzie that was at our show. Okay. um, Who was also at our meetup. We saw her right. often at this weekend. Yes. And her boyfriend wanted to ask us a question. Apparently never got to. Oh, okay. But so she related to me. I said I would ask you on the show. Great. I'm excited. Hi, Lizzie. Her boyfriend wanted to know, what is the Mount Rushmore of paranormal hauntings? Like if they were to like, if there was a, a category of ghosts that deserved like a monument like that what would it be oh like would it be a specific poltergeist like his his thought was if they were to put a category of ghosts in a mountain okay it would be victorian children oh shit because they're so fucking creepy they got I think, weird outfits yeah so like is there a category or they're like specific ones like who's like the fucking scariest oh that's good i think children's toys okay so like what like a raggedy and doll like yeah like the robert the doll oh no um okay okay and the why can't i fucking think of her name right now the raggedy and doll yeah what's her name in real life though oh uh annabelle annabelle like i think dolls Ew, a doll mountain. That's creepy. You're right. If That's you had to really... put like a category of ghosts, what I, would your Mount Rushmore like of ghosts mine be? Mine would be more like people. Like, um, I feel like, okay, here's what I think mine would be. So it would be like the man with the hat, like that people see when they have sleep paralysis. Yeah. Okay. And then like the old hag people see when they have sleep paralysis. So sleep paralysis characters. Yes. I feel like it would be those like classic characters that people like. Dear David is like his own little rock formation. Yes. I feel like it would just be visuals that people see when they have sleep paralysis or like traumatic nightmares. Cool. Yeah. What do you think, Eva? (laughs) I know. Just throwing you in the... You don't have to have an answer. I do. It would just be Slenderman all the way. Slenderman! Just oh. four pictures of Slender Man, oh God, one by one. It would be just like super skinny rocks. That's so <laughs> that's actually really scary. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to end on that. On that oh, Slender Man so. rocks. I was going to ask you while we were at the bar, but you were too far gone. So well, I, I was, was like, gonna, I'll ask later. I was going to yell about Glenn and how I probably got him fired. So, yes. Sorry, hashtag sorry, Glenn. Anyway, thank you guys so much for listening to this long ass story. Sorry, Eva, Woof. for having to make you edit that. Yeah, good luck. What does it say? What's the time? One thirty-two. It's not bad. Oh, it's really not bad. Congratulations, Eva. It's not going to be that bad. Dude, we used to go four plus hours. I don't know how we did that. I don't know how we did this. I don't know how we did that is what I mean. We really like... We used to be like literally four hours. I would show up at six o'clock. We would start recording at eight and then I would leave at at 2 a.m. Easily every week. 
That was amazing. And God, then we would do thanks. it on Saturday, so you had to for edit it in one day. That was the big problem is when we I would immediately start editing and it would be like 2 a.m. and people would be like, where's the episode? And I'm like, I literally, we just finished we just finished recording it actually so good luck sorry right, we're making it worse okay okay um tell us tell the world about our our presence in oh my the cybersphere go Jesus. go um you can find us at uh facebook twitter and instagram atwwd podcast you can also find our patreon at atwwd podcast please donate the reason that we're able to do things like go to CrimeCon is because you guys are able to help us get there. Thank you. Um, again, thank you to everyone who came to CrimeCon. That was our first live show. So you guys are all ingrained in our memory officially. We got to hug all of you. It was amazing. Especially the guy that gave us certificates. Oh, uh, man. I got one for saying listen the most times. And I got one for having more than 50% of my makeouts end in celery in my <laughs> mouth. Um, so thank you to that guy. Beautiful. Same with Steven um you can also find our website and that's why we drink.com you can find our merch at and that's why we drink.bigcartel.com you can find our email and that's why we drink at gmail.com where you can send in your listener stories Chat with eva and we put out a new listeners episode every first of the month also eva's going on vacation so if we don't respond really quickly it's I'm because sorry. eva's gone she's having a really fun time so leave her alone um she's in morocco okay go. you can also find our mailing address at 1920 hillhurst ave uh los angeles california 90027 number 265 correct uh so 1920 hillhurst ave number 265 yes correct. los angeles california 90027 i think is that it listen that's all we got we just want to say hi and we love you also uh again happy mother's day i'm Aww. going to reuse last mother's day's song finch song and send that to my mom as if it's brand new hopefully she's forgotten oh my god we should close out on that song okay eva are you listening wine and milk how's it go uh wine and milkshakes hurricanes and traffic graves okay eva actually just put the real song in no just put us <laughs> singing it really loudly crazy happy days wish, wish we weren't so far away, away. Friendship Trip like, like fine wine gets better over time. You're better than wine. By that I mean sometimes, because nothing's really better than wine. 22 carrots we released in the wild. Now there's 22 times that amount. Maybe 22 kids. Got cat scratch fever Almost 22 years by now We'd eat 22 pints Of ice cream between us And it would only take 22 days And I've got 2200 reasons to thank you For being a mother so great Wine and milkshakes, hurricanes and traffic rays, crazy happy days, wish we weren't so far away. Friendship like fine wine, gets better over time. You're better than wine, by that I mean sometimes, cause nothing's really better than wine. 
Raising two kids and working till evening while earning her PhD. Blasting pink on repeat on a road trip. She does nothing haphazardly. She's a mighty comma. She kicked cancer's eyes. She fends off. Robbers with brooms, and no one on earth could ever be as crazy and loving as you. Wine and milkshakes, hurricanes and traffic rays, crazy happy days. Wished we were so far away. Friendship like fine wine. Better over time. You're better than wine. By that I mean sometimes, 'cause nothing's really better than wine. But sometimes moms are better than wine. Damn it! Sorry, mom. Happy Mother's Day. <laughs> I think. Bye. And that's why we drink. Beep. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful, but we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org/lost.